Paul Mayer is a world-class historian and archaeologist and a professor at Western Michigan University. Several years ago, he wrote a fictitious book called A Skeleton in God's Closet. Now, in this particular book, a world-class archaeologist claims to have discovered the bones of Jesus in a tomb in Palestine, hence the title, A Skeleton in God's Closet. Now, at first, the evidence for the authenticity of this archaeological find seems insurmountable. In fact, many of the world's leading archaeologists agree that these are, in fact, the bones of Jesus in this tomb in Palestine. Now, the main character in the book is an archaeologist as well, and he's a Christian. And this discovery rocks his world. Because if these really are the bones of Jesus, then Jesus Christ did not rise from the grave, and then everything else changes. Now, at first, the main character is depressed, then he's sad, and then he is angry. And then eventually, as word spreads of this archaeological find, Chaos erupts on the streets, stock markets crash, and the lives of millions unravel. Now, this fictitious book forces the reader to wrestle with a very important question. What are the negative implications of Jesus not rising from the grave? What would happen if Christ did not rise from the grave? Would stock markets really crash around the world? Would lives unravel? Would chaos erupt on the streets? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that much worse things would happen if Christ did not rise from the grave. A little bit of context. 2,000 years ago in ancient Corinth, the Apostle Paul was debating with his opponents, and these opponents argued that the bodily resurrection did not happen. So Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 12 to 19 tries to persuade them that it's a really, really, really big deal to deny the bodily resurrection because there are several negative implications of denying the resurrection. And this morning we're going to look at four of those negative implications of denying the bodily resurrection of Jesus. First, if Christ was not raised, we, Christians, are liars. Look with me at 1 Corinthians 15, 14 to 15. Paul says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We, we are even found to be misrepresenting God or lying about God because we testified about God that he raised Christ, whom we did not raise. If it is true, the dead are not raised. Paul says that if Christ has not been raised, then we Christians are misrepresenting God, therefore we are lying about God. Now a lot of people think that Christianity is not true, but it's at least good for the world because it provides some kind of basis for morality. But if what Paul's saying is true, Christianity is not good for the world because Christians are lying. It's an immoral religion. But as we all know, Christ did rise from the grave. Therefore, Christians are not liars. Well, Dave, prove it. Consider these historical facts. It's a fact that Jesus died. 
This is verified by many non-Christian historians from the first century, Josephus, Tacitus, Thallius, the Jewish Talmud. Furthermore, the Roman soldiers in charge of his, of his execution were trained killers, and they were all convinced beyond reasonable doubt that Jesus Christ was, in fact, dead. He died on the cross. Furthermore, it's a fact that Jesus' tomb was empty. Objection. Dave, the disciples, stole his body and hid it. Response. People die for what they think is true, but not what they know is false. And the disciples all went out and martyred themselves for their belief in the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ. Another response. Well, Dave, the Romans or Jews stole his body from the tomb. Well, then why did they bring it forward as evidence that he, in fact, did not rise from the grave? Furthermore, it's a fact that Jesus was seen by eyewitnesses within a couple of weeks of him rising from the grave. According to 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 11, he was seen in different places. Over a period of 40 days, he was seen eating and drinking. He was seen talking. He was seen over a dozen times. He was seen inside and outside by over 500 people at one time. He was seen by male and female alike. He was physically touched by many. And all these witnesses could have easily been cross-examined when Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 15. He was encouraging them, the skeptics, challenging them to go and talk to the eyewitnesses who actually saw the risen Christ. But Dave, everyone believed in resurrections back then. By the way, that perspective is chronological snobbery. In the, in the last two decades, several scholars have argued with lots of research that people in the first century were just as unlikely to believe in resurrections as we are in the 21st century. Furthermore, it's a fact that Jesus has transformed the lives of millions of people. Within a few weeks of the resurrection, over 10,000 Jews believed that Jesus Christ was divine as a result of the resurrection, which is astonishing because... The Jews believed it was blasphemy, punishable by death, to worship anyone but God. But the evidence was so strong for the resurrection that over 10,000 Jews believed in the resurrection a few weeks after it happened. And Christ is still transforming people today. Consider this story. This was written by homicide detective J. Warner Wallace. He writes this. I was a committed atheist when I first heard a pastor preach a sermon that described the resurrection of Jesus. This pastor seemed to actually believe that Jesus rose from the dead and was still alive today. I assumed it was just another example of blind faith, another well-intentioned church leader believing something for which he had no supporting evidence. I was familiar with the rules of evidence and the process by which we can determine the truth about past events. As a detective, I was doing this for a living. I decided to investigate the resurrection as I would any unsolved case from the distant past. As I applied my skills as a detective, I became more and more convinced that the New Testament gospel accounts reliably describe the life, ministry, crucifixion, and most importantly, the resurrection of Jesus. Now, con consider this as well. Every other religion but Christianity must be accepted or received on blind faith. What do I mean? 
Christianity is the only world religion that's rooted in or based on historical events. You have to take the testimony of the Buddha or Muhammad or Joseph Smith on blind faith. Those religions are not rooted in or based on or truthful because of historical events in the past that can be falsified or verified. Christianity is the only religion in world history that can be historically falsified or verified. And it's been scrutinized intensely for 2,000 years, and its truth claims still stand. Since Christ rose from the grave, Christians are not liars. Now, many of you are thinking, Dave, I know that Christ rose from the grave. That's why I'm here. It's Easter. But are you living like it's true? Do you believe what you believe about the resurrection? Does your life exude hope and confidence knowing that someday you too will rise from the grave? Do you have hope beyond the grave? Are you telling your friends about the hope of the resurrection and the gospel of Jesus Christ? Or are you living like this life is all there is? Now, if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, you're not yet convinced of the claims of Jesus Christ, it's a historical fact that Jesus Christ rose from the grave, which proves that he's God. And if he's God, everything he says must be believed, trusted, and submitted to. And he says, by the way, that he is the only way to God. Only through him do we have hope beyond the grave. So if you're here this morning and you're not a Christian, I would encourage you to look into these claims that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. Because if he did, everything changes and nothing else matters. Denying the resurrection has implications. First, if Christ was raised, we are liars. Second, I'm sorry, if Christ was not raised, we are liars. Second, if Christ was not raised, we are guilty. 1 Corinthians 15, 17, Paul says, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Now, why would we still be in our sins or guilty of committing sins if Christ remained in the grave? Because Christ's resurrection is, a cru is crucial for our justification. If there's no resurrection, there's no justification, which means we are still in our sins, which means we are guilty, which means that we are barred from heaven. But since Jesus rose from the grave, you and I, can be justified, that is declared righteous. In Romans 4, Paul makes this amazing connection between the resurrection and our justification. Consider the words of Paul in Romans 4, 23 and following. He says this, but the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. In verse 25, Paul makes a connection between Christ's resurrection and our justification. Again, that word justification simply means to be declared righteous. In the resurrection of Jesus Christ, God the Father was declaring that Jesus Christ, his own son, was perfectly righteous. Why? Because he was. The penalty for sin is death. 
Jesus never once sinned. Therefore, the grave could not hold him. And when he rose from the grave, it was proof that he was sinless. And in that moment, God the Father said, this is my son, and he is righteous. He is sinless. He is guiltless. He is shameless. Well, Dave, what does that have to do with me? (laughs) I'm not Jesus. Well, consider the words of Ephesians 2, 5 and 6. Paul says, even when we were dead in our trespasses, God made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him. Did you catch that? Paul is saying that you and I were raised with Christ. When Christ rose from the grave through our union with him, we rose with him and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Through our union with Christ, when Christ died, we were there. When Christ rose from the grave, we were there in him. All that's true of him is now true of us if we're Christians. We get the verdict that Jesus earned. When he rose from the grave, sinless and justified, if you're a Christian, you rose with him, which means, amazingly, scandalously, you and I, this morning, are just as justified as Jesus. We're just as righteous as Jesus in God's eyes. We are just as sinless as Jesus. We are as shameless as Jesus. Now, I know most of you know this is true because you've been here for a while, but you still often feel guilt and shame. You may be thinking, how can I be justified when I looked at porn this week? Or I yelled at my kids and my spouse numerous times this week. Or I had abortions in a past life. Or I struggle with same-sex attraction. Or I have abused drugs, alcohol, and women. Or maybe you're thinking, I committed adultery in a past life. Or I stole things in a past life. Does God really see me? as justified, as sinless and righteous as Jesus? Yes, because Christ rose from the grave. You rose with him. When he was justified, you were justified. So no matter how you feel this morning, it's an objective truth that you are righteous if you are currently putting all your hope and confidence in Jesus Christ, the resurrected one. Again, we get the verdict he earned. Denying the resurrection has implications. If Christ was not raised, we are liars, we are guilty, and third, if Christ was not raised, we are hopeless. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 17 to 18. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. To fall asleep in Paul's letters means to die. Paul says that if Christ has not been raised from the dead, those who have died will 
perish. In other words, they will cease to exist after death, post-mortem. And of course, this is the worldview of the materialist. This is the worldview of many in our culture. After we die, we cease to exist, and all that happens is worms come and eat our body, and we rot forever. There's no heaven, there's no hell, there's nothing if Christ was not raised. This is an incredibly hopeless way to live life. Tennis was my way of life in junior high, high school, and college. All I cared about, thinked about, thought about, I didn't think very well about that, thought about, read about, watched, was tennis. I loved working hard, drilling, training, playing tournaments. The last few weeks, I've been trying to kind of get back into the game, and I have been training with one of my sons at his academy on the South Hill a couple days a week, and it's been incredibly discouraging because I'm old. I'm 45, and I've realized there's certain things I can no longer do with a ball you spill to do because I'm 45. I remember thinking yesterday on the court with one of my sons, two years ago I was teaching my son Peter how to hit a better forehand, and now his forehand is twice as good as my forehand. I was destroying him two years ago, now he's destroying me, and he's 14. He's getting better, I'm getting worse. Plus, my body is breaking down. Walking up and down the stairs hurts my knees. My lower back hurts. I have to ice my elbow on a regular basis after playing for a couple of hours. And I'm only 45. Let's face it. Aging is loss. Loss of hearing. Loss of hair. Loss of libido. Loss of stamina. Loss of coordination. Loss of muscle. Loss of memory. Loss of flexibility. Loss of endurance and speed. Then you start to lose your friends as they age and start dying. Then many face the scary prospect of living by themselves alone, lonely in a nursing home with someone else changing their diapers and feeding them. And then you die. And if there is no resurrection, that's incredibly depressing. Because after 25, it all goes downhill. And all you experience is slow losses, slowly over time. If there's no life beyond the grave, aging is incredibly hopeless, isn't it? Fortunately, Christ has been raised. There is hope. All of those trusted in Christ will die, but they will not perish. Consider the words of 1 Corinthians 15, 54 and following. Paul says, when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? It's gone because Christ has risen. And if Christ has risen, the best is yet to come. No matter how hard your life is this morning, 
If Christ has risen from the grave, someday you too will rise from the grave in a glorified resurrection body to a glorious existence of joy and peace in the presence of the Savior. There is hope. But denying the resurrection has implications. If Christ was not raised, we are liars, we are guilty, we are hopeless. Fourth and finally, if Christ was not raised, we are pitiful. 1 Corinthians 15, 14, Paul says, and if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. One modern translation says it like this, and face it, if there's no resurrection for Christ, everything we've told you is smoke and mirrors, and everything you've asked your life, everything you've staked your life on is smoke and mirrors. Paul says that if Christ has not been raised, you Christians believing the gospel are wasting your time. It's futile, it's pitiful, it's vain, it's pointless. In fact, it just leads to pain and misery, persecution and suffering. 1 Corinthians 15, 19, Paul says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. All the hardship we endure for following Jesus is useless, pointless, vain. When I was in third grade, I was saving up money to buy my first BMX bike, and my dad said, Dave, if you save 20 bucks, this is back in 1985, so that's a lot more money now. Maybe it'd be 100 bucks now. Serious inflation. But Dave, if you save 20 bucks, I'll pay the rest, and you can buy your first BMX bike. And I had like $17 saved. I was $3 short. So my dad said, Dave, if you go and rake all the leaves in the backyard, I'll give you three bucks, and we'll go to the store, and we'll buy your first BMX bike. But we had two, actually three, massive maple trees in our backyard down by Gonzaga. And it was the end of the fall, and it was kind of a windy, blustery day. And so I would rake for three hours. And finally, after all that work, have three or four or five big piles. Then, guess what would happen? The wind would come and destroy all my hard work. And I almost burst into tears three or four times. Because it felt like raking those leaves was pointless, futile, vain. You should have pitied me because it was accomplishing nothing. And Paul is saying, if the resurrection has not happened, what you're doing for Christ is a total waste of time because this life is all there is and there's no reward in the future. But Christ has risen from the grave. It's a historical fact. All the hard work we do for Jesus accomplishes something. Since he rose, taking up your cross and serving your spouse or your roommates is worth it. Since he rose, saying no to illicit pleasure is worth it. Since he rose, telling the truth, even though it may cost you money or your job, is worth it. 
since he rose. Training your kids is worth it. Sharing your faith and getting mocked is worth it. Going to prison for following Christ is worth it. Even taking a bullet in the head for following Jesus is worth it. Because this life is short and the resurrection ensures that eternity is forever and you will rise to a glorified body someday. A little later, Paul wrote another letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. He says these words, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. What are the light and momentary afflictions that the Apostle Paul is talking about from his own life? Well, he describes them for us in 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 29. Again, <laughs> in Paul's mind, these things are light, momentary afflictions. Verse 23, are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, lest one. Paul's back was probably one massive scar. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. In toil and hardship, through many a sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak, and I am not weak? Who is made to fall, and I am not indignant? Paul says, amazingly, that prison beatings, receiving the 40 lashes, were light and momentary affliction. Really, Paul? That sounds awfully painful and psychologically damaging for the rest of life. How can Paul say that? Because Paul was convinced that Jesus Christ rose from the grave. And as a result, all that labor, suffering, and toil would be rewarded someday in his glorified and resurrection body. If Christ rose from the grave, you and I, motivated by God's grace and empowered by God's spirit, can work really, really hard at godliness knowing that our labor, our toil is not in vain. The resurrection ensures that we will rise someday to glorified bodies and God will reward us for our faithful labor. We don't get to heaven because we're good. We get to heaven by grace alone, through faith alone. But if we've toiled hard, motivated by grace, by the power of the Holy Spirit, God will reward us for being faithful. Well, back to the book 
a skeleton in God's closet. If you read the book, you'll realize that the skeleton in God's closet was actually a very highly fabricated hoax. It's a very good book. It's part Indiana Jones, part Da Vinci Code, part Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'd highly recommend it. Skeleton in God's Closet by Paul Mayer. But this book forces the reader to wrestle with this question. What are the negative implications of denying that Jesus Christ rose from the dead? If Christ was not raised from the dead, we are liars, we are guilty, we are hopeless, and we are pitiful. We might as well stay home on Sundays and watch football, or go hiking, or go to the lake. But Christ has been raised. As a result, we speak the truth about the resurrection. It's not blind faith, it's based on historical evidence. We are justified sons and daughters of the king. We have hope of heaven, and we will be rewarded. Christianity is not primarily a code of conduct, a set of rules to follow, a way of being a better person. Christianity is salvation through Jesus Christ, and it's rooted in the historical facts that Jesus Christ came to earth lived a perfect life, died on the cross in our place, and rose from the grave victoriously, and he will return someday. Christianity is rooted in history, and it's true. Now this morning, if you're not a Christian, and you want the hope of heaven, the hope that someday things will get better, all you have to do is humble yourself and admit that you need Jesus and cry out to him for grace and mercy and forgiveness. Let's pray.